Sardonicast, Sardonicast, and that's about as much as I'm singing before I get copyright claimed, probably. That's uh, from 101 Dalmatian, because this is episode 101. This is Adam from your uh, You beat sucks. me to the joke. Oh. Hello. Um, I'm Alex from HE. Yeah, I was going to make a 101 Dalmatians joke. Oh, what were Just, you going to say? Um, I should have recommended it. For uh, oh. this episode, I was going to make some. Yeah, ah, fuck. No, yeah, well, I'm glad who, you who didn't. Who else is here with us? Because I, I had just yeah, seen I'm it. Glad well. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ralph, what's up? How are you? <laughs> the sassy baka, everybody. <laughs> oh, but yeah, I got to introduce myself. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ralph the movie maker at YouTube.com/slash Ralph the movie maker. We did it. How's everybody did. doing? Good. I wanted to get right into Eternals, but. But there's some movie things we can talk about. And movie news. I mean, we could say that it doesn't really matter. We I just usually like to get the movie news stuff out of the way first. Yeah. Okay. There's got to be something interesting happening. There's a there's a couple kind of funny things happening. Mm -hmm. One of them is uh, Ridley Scott blaming millennials for the last dual bombing. (laughs) I don't uh, understand why. When it was uh, like I watched the trailer, it was one of those things where it was like. Oh, are people talking about this? No, not really. You know, like I didn't. Have any of us seen it? No, no. But he's he's <laughs> like, this is this is for people who don't spend their lives on their phones. Like, it's a really a uh, dismissive, yeah, what does that mean? What does he mean weird <laughs> way of looking mm-hmm. at the world. Here, let's see. I'll, here's the full quote. I think what it boils down to. What we've got today are audiences who were brought up on these fucking cell phones. The millennials (laughs) do not ever want to be taught anything unless you're told it on a cell phone, Scott said. This is a broad stroke, but I think we're dealing with it right now with Facebook. This is a misdirection that has happened where where it's given the wrong kind of confidence to this latest generation, I think. Boomer. (laughs) What else can you say to that? (laughs) Yeah, just blame the audience. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> please. I, there, there's um, there's so many attempts around me from people I know and people in my chat or whatever to be like, man, Zoomers are so fucked because they were raised in this way and they have the blah 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 blah. blah. I'm just like, people are saying that about our generation. Like, don't turn into that, you know. Don't don't be that mm-hmm. guy that everybody turns into or girl, <laughs> you know. Like, don't just yeah, turn yeah. into a boomer because things are different for the younger generation. And anyway, I'm sure there'll be plenty of Zoomers that will watch it on their phone and become fans of him as a result. I was thinking so. the same thing. Yeah, they're going to watch <laughs> yeah. it on their phone. So they're going to be like, wow, this is great. If it's great, I don't know. People were saying it's like, oh, this is underrated, but I don't know. It looks pretty average to me. I'll check it out, maybe. <laughs> he also directs way too movies too quickly. Like, he's got House of Well, he directed House two movies Gucci this year, yeah. <laughs> coming out. House of Gucci. <laughs> so that was both him. I was confused by that. Yeah. Yeah. Very okay. close proximity, man. And that like that last that last duel was like two hours, over two hours long. Yeah, yeah, two and a half hours. I'm looking at it here. Long ass movie. He's promoting his movie in theaters by complaining about his other movie in theaters not <laughs> being watched. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like I don't know. People are gonna watch. Is House of Gucky? Is it out right now? Already? Is it in? Theaters? I think it's just coming out now, right? Yeah. Like people are gonna watch that, probably. It has the word gucky in it. People wear gucky. Mm-hmm. There's the right actors in it. Just the last duel looks so <laughs> generic. Like, I, 
if if you're a marketing team trying to create a trailer for a movie, like they did a great job if they were trying to make it look like a billion things I've already seen before. Otherwise, they did not do a good mm-hmm. job at selling the movie. Yeah. Yeah, it looks pretty throwaway. He directed Alien, so I'm not going to shit on him too hard. He directed Alien <laughs> Covenant, <laughs> Ralph. Yeah. What do you say about oh, that? He directed Alien. <laughs> and then <laughs> Gladiator. I about that one. <laughs> Black Hawk Down. Yeah, he's directed great movies. Yeah. Absolves yeah. him from everything. He's a little old. You're yeah. right. He's, he's a real Roman Polanski. Kind of fart. He's an old fart. <laughs> yeah. He's just like, yeah. <laughs> fucking phones. I don't know. I don't know why they always put fucking in front of like the cell phones, right? It, like, it's a personal vendetta. Angry and aggressive. It's always yeah, a fu- it's, yeah, it's always very aggressive. <laughs> it is what's killing movies. It's like, uh, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> not really. All these kids fucking cell phones. <laughs> like, yeah. What? He's he's seen Spike Jones's her too many times. He thinks we're at that stage. <laughs> yeah. He thinks they're fucking cell phones. He's fucking their cell phones. Yeah, literally. God damn it. <laughs> Taken away from the movie industry. <laughs> yeah, not not too much to say about that other than he's a boomer and uh Yeah, he's old. Yeah. Just teasing him. He's yeah. still directed alien. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay boomer. Yeah. There's there's another movie news thing that I wanted to mention. I thought that you two would find this interesting. Uh Vin Diesel has made a public plea to to Dwayne Johnson to return to Fast and Furious 10 <laughs> yeah. on his Instagram Let's do it. and it's really funny just the way that this is phrased it's it, like guys. just so much more dramatic than you would expect for this type of story he says my little brother Dwayne the the time has come the world awaits the finale of Fast 10 as you know my children refer to you as Uncle Dwayne in my house there is not a holiday that goes by that they that they and you don't send well wishes, but the time has come. Legacy awaits. I told you years ago that I was going to fulfill my promise to Pablo. I swore that we would reach and manifest the best <laughs> fest in the finale. That is Ted. That's what, <laughs> That's yeah, what it I, says. I'm reading it too. Yeah. Holy fuck. I say this out of love, but you must show up. Do not leave the franchise idle. You have a very important role to play. Hobbs can't be played by no other. I hope that you rise <laughs> yeah, to the occasion Hobbs. and fulfill your destiny. Like, why is this public? Hobbs can't be played by no other. Yeah, that's, that's, that's weird. Yeah, why is this public? The sanctity of the Fast and Furious franchise. <laughs> like, we can't... The picture's like the two of them together like a still Yeah, they're the about to kiss. <laughs> like, it's it's really two million, Yeah, two million likes. <laughs> that's really funny. I yeah. wonder if that's serious or like, I don't know, I have no fucking idea. Were they publicly like beefing before? Because I didn't yeah. hear about the Tyrese kind drama. Of. Oh, what? They, they were... I have no idea. Yeah, Tyrese got angry at The Rock for yeah. doing the... Remember the spinoff one, Hobbs and Shaw, with like yeah. Ryan yeah. Reynolds and... And everything, you got cool. angry at him for making that because he wasn't in it, and he wanted, you know, he wanted money. I guess so. It always comes down to money. That's funny. Why would the, yeah. why would the Rock like not a, be in it? It's like a no, huge franchise. It's a money thing. They're probably paying thing. him more yeah. for other movies because <laughs> mm. <laughs> he's yeah. he's like the highest paid actor in Hollywood still. I think <laughs> like he's got a high price tag. Mm-hmm. How long do you think Fast and Furious can keep him? You know. True. True. Yeah, it's kind of a. I don't know if it's an ego thing. It's definitely like. Dwayne Johnson's a leading man, and so is Vin Diesel. So, they, so that kind of, they're butting heads. Yeah. Like, there's yeah. a thing in their contract, I don't know, this kind of public, that, like, they can't win a fight 
or they can't lose a fight. Sorry, <laughs> neither of them can lose a fight. That's like, so in, lame in the so like, right. action hero to me. Right? It's so stupid. So, so it's it's stuff like that. It's not really a beef. It's just like their their images are kind of clashing. Uh-huh. It's kind of interesting, but that's and an interesting uh, proposition. Result, Vin Diesel. <laughs> it's yeah. very silly. Like it's it's like larping. <laughs> Which I guess Vin Diesel yeah, loves doing. Yeah, you can tell it. he's like a nerd who loves D and D and stuff, yeah. can't you? <laughs> yeah, he wrote that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a character with Fast and Furious too, because you know it's like the dumbest franchise. Yeah, The Rock has a lot of other things going on for him. I'm not sure Vin Diesel does. What is Vin Diesel so in other is. than Fast and Furious right now? Like, yeah, I Where guess they... that's why he's begging him on Instagram. Please help my movie succeed. Oh, he's in Guardians, I guess. He does Groot. He was in Bloodshot. That was pretty cool. Yeah, he Is there says, another I'm one of those Groot. coming out, I guess? I don't know. <laughs> That's all he says. Yeah, he says, I yeah. am Groot. <laughs> There's a third one. He's in the Avengers, too, you know, because Groot's in those. Yeah. Um, yeah They're he, filming the third but one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not a hard role. I had forgotten if a third Guardians of the Galaxy had come out already or not. I, it could be <laughs> either way for me until I saw that the IMDb page. So. <laughs> Well, thanks, Vin Diesel, for publicly trying to convince your friend to who you say is like your best friend ever and your children send Christmas letters to. But you need to do it publicly to, I guess, I don't know, shame him into being in the next movie. Like, what's that about? <laughs> thanks. Yeah, everyone go to his Instagram and leave a comment. Yeah, it's almost, it's like putting <laughs> applying public pressure on somebody to do something like that. Yeah. Like, that's weird. You could just, if if it means a lot to you and you're such great friends, you could just tell him like a real person mm-hmm. and not Send him a do it publicly. Yeah. Unless it's just a publicity <laughs> stunt or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Eternals. Good segue. Oh. We watched it. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. Did we watch it? Ralph had a out-of-body experience. Yeah. With this, yeah. It gave me an out-of-body experience. Oh. Just pure boredom. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I left, I, yeah, I transcended my body in, in in boredom, pure boredom. It's been a while since I've been. I felt like trapped in a movie theater, just like what, <laughs> what section of the movie am I in right now? Like, what act is this? Like, what what is this building to? And it didn't really build to much in the end, and I was just kind of just kind of miserably bored for its runtime. Like, I can't believe it for. Just all the yeah. star power, and there's just the mistakes that superhero movies have been making for years. You know, like. Too many villains in this movie, but this is taking it to the next level where it's like, we're going to be really ballsy and establish 12 characters at the same time, you know? Yeah, they are and blowing like, their oh, load yeah, a little early. <laughs> right. In a universe that already has like tons of other things happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're but too with kind busy. of a different visual like tone. Like it's, it's kind of weird for a, a Marvel movie. It looks more like a Chloe Zhao movie for, for a lot of it, but it's trying to wedge in that marvel humor at the same time and these kind of awkward references to the stuff you'd expect like oh yeah the, is this made of vibranium is this <laughs> i mean you say it looks brother? like a chloe Zhao movie I, or chloe Zhao movie i think it looks bad it looks bad <laughs> that's yeah. that's how i think it looks. i mean yeah <laughs> i think it just looks bad <laughs> i i can understand people that say that though because it is like the the tone of this marvel film is weirdly like detached but who knows yeah, whether or not that sure. was like an intentional thing from Chloe. You know, maybe it's just how it turned out because the characters aren't properly developed. 
who knows? <laughs> maybe maybe she is it's doing possible. a weird yeah. There's a artistic lot of writers it. credited, yeah. so... Yeah, it feels completely it, it disconnected. Mm -hmm. It feels like it's not even part of like the rest of yeah. what's been going on. It doesn't really set up anything, either. That's not anything interesting. Um, we can get into it. Spoiler section. Spoilers! This feels like yeah, the least personal story okay. out of every Marvel film that I've ever seen. Like there, this, there's no journey in this film. It's kind of just you're watching characters. Yeah, you know? yeah. There's no origin really. Yeah, yeah. so detached. I, yeah. yeah, like who's the main Eternal? Who who gets the most development? Cersei. So, and that was distracting. Sussy. I don't know if it was for you because you know you have Cersei and then Richard Madden and. Uh, and you know Jon Snow and and Rob Stark were in the movie saying I love you Cersei or whatever. <laughs> I just kept thinking of Game of Thrones. I just so they they all have different accents, <laughs> and so throughout the film, I heard Cersei, I heard Sussy, I heard seriously, and at the very sussy. I'm not even kidding. Yeah, <laughs> at one point Bogger. she she was definitely called Sussy, sussy by somebody, and at the very beginning of the film, when she when she introduced herself, he's like I'm. Icarus or whatever, and she's like, "I'm sassy." I swear to God, she said, "I'm sassy." The <laughs> yeah. If her name was Sussy Baka, I would have liked the movie. Oh I yeah, I wish there was more sass in the movie. I wish there was a bit more personality. I was or so something, confused because yeah, yeah, I was confused too. Just I think it was Cersei, but it was spelled differently than the Game of Thrones. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't know what this movie was trying to do. Like one of the characters was Sprite. <laughs> that was her name. Yeah, what did you think of Sprite, Ralph? <laughs> Oh, she sucked. Who was that? <laughs> it was like the child that oh. was no, the eternal was trapped with, yeah. in the body of a child that wouldn't age, so she was she didn't get to live a normal life. Yeah, she was in love with Richard Madden, but they could never be together because she was in the body of a it child. Would be weird, but, but she's <laughs> yeah. really like a thousand yeah. year old man or, or, or woman, a thousand year old woman. <laughs> you know, like they're all thousands of years old. So I don't understand, like. <laughs> it just doesn't make it like why would you even want to think about that in a Marvel movie though? It is yeah. it is weird. Yeah, it's a weird they, concept. They they spend weird. a lot of time it's justifying <laughs> a lot of weird shit in this yeah, movie. Right. And like half the dialogue is like, here's why we didn't stop 9-11. Like, what the fuck? Because when when <laughs> wars happen, the population increases. <laughs> yeah, what'd you think of what? that subtle moment? <laughs> <laughs> we have to let them nuke their, each like, other. Rule set, wasn't it? They're not allowed to interfere with humanity, but they've got to just watch it. They said that, like, only when the deviants are involved, like, can they interfere. But then they justify it later by saying that they were only allowed to interfere when the deviants were involved because the deviants were killing the human population, whereas nukes weren't and were, were, were increasing <laughs> the population because the medicine and science that happens during war is a good thing it's like you're taking a lot of risk by letting nukes go off though first of all second uh, yeah. they they <laughs> casually just explain like oh yeah we none of us did anything during the thanos snap but they flat out said that because <laughs> of the thanos snap that the big boy whatever his name was the thing that they're trying to birth out of the planet they specifically stated this was delayed by like four years because of this so it's like well why weren't they allowed to help out then because it, the other ones that they weren't allowed to help out with that was justified by saying no the population increased and so it's just like they're spending so much fucking time trying to explain this shit that just makes less and less sense the more they explain it and it's like half the movie 
it's so weird. <laughs> like, sure. Yeah, if not more. Yeah. Just trying to explain the whole Eternals thing and that godlike yeah. being, which kind of has some cool imagery, I guess, with the, Let's just the scale of it. Let's justify ourselves. Yeah, with the way the story kind of unravels and these villainous characters, the deviants that are kind of like these squid dogs and the, it's got this gimmick <laughs> where it's gradually kind of evolving over the movie. So by the time it has a personality or begins to have one, it's kind of already dealt with and it gets no development, which is just a running theme with basically every asset of the sure, movie. It's way too much developed. going on. It's, it's yeah, just, just so much going on. It's just the same aliens from every other modern alien film. <laughs> like like War for Tomorrow. What was that Chris Pratt one? End of, End of Tomorrow? Fucking oh, yeah. like oh, live die repeat like every <laughs> yeah. single fucking <laughs> alien. Live die repeat's much better than either of these. It doesn't. I, what I'm, I'm talking about the creature design though. I'm talking about like specifically the yeah. alien design. Yeah, it's well, just they, the most, these like, were just like a total ripoff of those creatures. Exactly. Like, it was almost like, exactly it's so the same. Creatively mm-hmm. yeah. bankrupt. Like these are aliens now in pop culture. <laughs> like this is what aliens look like when they want to. Yeah, them. I didn't even put that together until you just said it. But yeah, it's like the exact same aliens. Yeah. And just like so design. thrown in, like. Here are the deviants. Okay, what, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck are these things? <laughs> That's what I kept thinking about everything. And what about when they're actually interacting with the Eternals? The way they fight and the way they clash. There's like no tension to anything. So these like it's, it's, people yeah. have been comparing it to Man of Steel a lot, where it's like just these invincible we creatures like slamming into each other and. It, it was reminding me of that too, because that film's also kind of distant and has a cold tone, and Maternals is similar. It just it really clashes with the Marvel formula in terms of that stuff, and yeah, yeah, just the cast jumping all over the place. We haven't even mentioned like multiple characters, like Kingo. He's kind of the comic relief for a section of the movie, and then just as that's about oh, to develop into something, so he just bad. kind of leaves. It's, yeah, it's really uh, odd. The, the the guy from Killing of a Sacred Deer, is yeah. Who's also it yeah. plays Speed in the Snyder Cut or Flash? I mean, <laughs> oh, right in the Snyder Does Cut. Does he play Flash? No, is that the same guy? Who's the other guy? That's Ezra no. Miller. Oh my Flash. god, Miller. I'm getting them confused. Yeah. You're Wait, right. Oh, okay, okay. They're both like weird young white pe- people. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they kind of different looking. Ezra Miller's like no. skinnier. I just rewrote it in my brain. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the I'm in the Berenstein universe. What else is he? He's in Killing of a Sacred Deer, but you know he's a good actor, and here he's barely in it. Like you said, there's a ton of other shit going on. I'm like he could have been cool, but he's not in it. <laughs> like yeah, his, no one's in his it. His powers are one of the more interesting ones because each Eterno has a completely different gimmick too. Which again, mm-hmm. really gets any exploration, and it's kind of cool. The main, the main woman has like healing powers, where everyone else has something kind Is of she? more destructive going on, and she's like <laughs> essential to fixing the problem that comes up with these big beings. But see, I don't even remember. Man, that. It's, it's so forgettable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talking yeah. about remembering anything, like I saw this film weeks ago, and trying to remember anything from it, I'm kind of dreading when I'm going to have to sit down and rewatch this to. Like figure it out, but <laughs> it's <man>. necessary. <laughs> it's the most important thing you'll ever yeah, hear. So it's... much stuff. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is wrong with this movie. I mean, just like in the end fight scene, I was still trying to figure out like which one of you can fly. Like, <laughs> I didn't know what anybody's powers were for the most part. Like some of them I understood, <laughs> but you know, there's a big fight scene, and I don't really have a grasp of like what options each character has at any given moment. It's kind of weird. It kind of takes a bit out of it. Yeah, it's very forgettable too. Yeah, and the yeah, just the limitations are never 
properly explained or explored. Like there's there's a character who can kind of bring them back to life who's dealt with, so they deal with that sort of side of it. Uh, I guess spoilers. Do people yeah. care about spoilers for this one? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think we said spoilers. Yeah, the way they they use the powers and shit and the way they clash is... I didn't really have trouble picking up on the powers. I was just waiting for them to do something, <laughs> like, creative or interesting with them. They were so kind of dull. Like, the Kingo guy, his are just... Mm -hmm. He, he, like, puts his hands into pew-pew gun shapes and shoots out, like, energy blasts. It's like, okay, I mean, <laughs> kind of hoping for something a bit more exciting at this point. Like, if we're, if this is supposed to be the new sort of vision for the MCU and the new starting off point for a new type of story or something, a new new set of characters we're supposed to care about, I mean, I don't necessarily want to see any of these guys or gals again. They're pretty, they're pretty dull lot. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Is there an Eternals 2 coming? I hope not. <laughs> there's no way there's not. Like, like, can we talk about the after credits thing? Did you guys stick around for that? Yeah. Yeah. It was I did. fucking I weird. Did. Why did it turn into Shrek? What the fuck was it? Can like, you explain what, it? What was, what was going on? Um, Thanos' brother or something? Like a CG, like... <laughs> oh, yeah, the Harry Styles. Oh, yeah, that one's just fucking dumb. Thanos' brother played so by Harry weird. Styles. Yeah, I don't know what that was. And then uh, the one after, they set up Kit Harrington to be... Black Knight, who's like some comic character I've never heard of. And then I guess Blade is there. You can't tell it's Blade, but Blade. like the voice. Oh. Yeah, that's Blade. The voice is Maharshala Ali. Mm -hmm. so, but Blade, that's only in the second Blade. after credit teaser. Yeah. And like, if okay. you don't recognize his voice, you have no idea who that is. So you're just like, okay. I guess because they don't have like a costume ready for Blade yet or like, you know. I, I, don't I didn't know. even know like, Blade was a Marvel thing. Yeah. Really? Huh. That's, yeah. that's who it was. I, yeah. I actually haven't seen um, the movies. So that was disappointing. <laughs> and but, yeah. And then we get with to Harry see Styles, him. he's with this like CG goblin thing, which uh, like, like it looked kind pretty of messed up. Like it, it didn't terrible. look the best in terms of, yeah, the effects weren't great, which I mean, the it's not movie. normally something that is a highlight of these Marvel movies in terms of bad effects. Normally they're at least at the very. You know, at least as a standard, but this was like noticeably bad. I don't know if it was like a bit rushed because of the whole Harry Styles inclusion and it just being a quick <laughs> job. But yeah. man, that was that was weird. I, I didn't really that get was that. Weird. <laughs> Very distracting. Yeah, I I, uh, I kind of hated the movie. It might be the worst Marvel film. Yeah, actually, I'm pretty maybe pretty sure it actually is. Actually, I'm I'm pretty according to a lot of people. I don't. Yeah. I, I think Thor two. I think Thor two is better. Haven't seen Man, Thor two. It, it's, it doesn't it's that set running up time anything that does it interesting. Sure, but this doesn't set up anything like interesting in that world. Is Thor two longer? Um, no, I'm just trying to find out. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. This runtime, yeah, it was ridiculously long. And it was just so slow. Yeah, that might make it one of the worst ones purely on that alone. Like, it does not need to be that <laughs> excruciatingly long. Yeah, you just have no connection to any of these characters. They all suck. They don't establish them before this movie. There's no there's no build-up to anything. Yeah, I really hated it. <laughs> yeah. This, this movie sucks. I, I get why people just don't <laughs> like it. I wasn't as bored or hated it as much for like the first I don't know half or something like I went into it expecting it to be long oh, I went good. into it expecting it to be kind of boring so I was like 
I'm pretty good at just checking myself out internally and just being like, oh, I'll just think about some other things. Or <laughs> <You know? So laughs> I'm, like, I'm just good at like keeping myself entertained. Like I'll write something in my head. I don't know. But yeah, it was <laughs> That's funny. It was uh, somewhere near the end of the movie where I was like, wait, now we're doing the end? And it's like, it, nothing's really happened this entire... Mm-hmm. Like, you've wasted this entire movie. You know, the, with the with the runtime, you could maybe, I don't know, begin to attempt developing some of these characters, but they really didn't. <laughs> like, they kind no, of almost no. did, maybe, in so, some of them. No. But, you know, there's so many of them, and it, I don't know, like... You either need to have different films beforehand leading up to this point with, like, different stories mm-hmm. or just have less characters or I don't know. I, I don't know what the solution is here. It's, it seems like just a bad idea from the get-go. Yeah. yeah. It's weird they betrayed the own, their formula they created and kind of harnessed over the years. And now we're like, oh, let's just fall into all the pitfalls all of our competitors have for years. Yeah. But now it's them doing it. So. Which is yeah. very yeah, interesting. Super boring. And it's not okay when they do it, yeah. It's it's just as bad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you mentioned the influence of Man of Steel before, because uh, the director said she was inspired by Man of Steel, you know, in some way making this movie. Oh, really? Wow. I could see that kind of, with, like, kind of funny, the, yeah. the character, the character like uh, Icarus, I can mm-hmm. see that, right? Like, kind of dark, like dark tone, I guess. And yeah, it's just like the fact that the movie is not good. <laughs> <laughs> and the, movie, the movie's like a mess. Like, it feels like, yeah. yeah, you can tell. It feels like it feels like someone inspired by Man of Steel or or Batman versus Superman. It's one of those kinds of movies. Their powers also just like aren't interesting. They just feel like knockoff version versions of other superhero characters. One of them just yeah, is yeah. the Flash, except she's deaf. Mm-hmm. Right? There's yeah, one of them yeah. that's basically mm-hmm. just Superman. Uh huh. The flashbacks too were just really. Like really padded the movie out. Yeah, that was weird. Pacing, and they were flashing back like four thousand years. You know, like yeah. a ridiculous amount of time. Yeah, like, we back to like ancient Mesopotamia. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, the the was and they were talking the like you know they were talking like the same way. They were talking like how we talk now. True, like, we probably talk differently <laughs> yeah, back then. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. It's just, it was so dumbed down just to like make the story work. But, uh, I don't know. It felt like nothing was thought out. Like nothing made sense. Uh the characters were all bad like every single character you know at least thor 2 has loki mm-hmm. in some parts mm-hmm. and it's under two hours wow yeah, yeah. worst marvel yeah, movie but there's quite <laughs> a few be. dc movies that are worse than this in my opinion <laughs> that's true yeah which is funny yeah. it might be better than some of the dc movies yeah that's that's a compliment to the movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's still yeah. not as bad as a couple of them yeah i guess i hadn't thought about this as the worst marvel movie but you're making some strong points here i really don't want to see this again ever really <laughs> <laughs> it, it is so it is so bloated what what could what could yeah. come close to being the worst marvel movie for you i haven't seen all of them so um i guess previously it was thought too and that was yeah. just because it, it was like such an example of a nothingy just nothing Marvel movie. Like, it finishes and then, like, it's gone from your brain type movie. Yeah. But this is, like, a mm-hmm. different type of problem for Marvel. This is, like, it's really missing the mark entirely. It's not even trying to go for the more goofy tone they've gone for before. They're trying something different and really failing hard. And, yeah, they didn't really commit to what this, this story needed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where you begin to fix it. <laughs> By throwing it in the trash. 
Yeah, start over. They yeah. needed like to prove why we need to care about the Eternals. You know, like yeah. they made us they care the about time. like Guardians of the Galaxy. Like no one knew about those characters before those movies. Yeah. Like only comic book nerds did. But they found a way. They found an angle. It was also like a personal journey, despite there being a bunch of characters there. Like there was a clear mm-hmm. lead. It was Chris Pratt. Like I Star Lord. Yeah. Yeah. You don't. <laughs> I haven't even seen Guardians that many. I've seen it like twice, maybe. And I, I remember mm-hmm. vividly, like, you know, there's the story about, you know, the the cassette tape and the old music and his mom or whatever, you know, like there's like a parental thing yeah. going. Like there's some sort of personal story attached in there that's like relatable for and audience members. It's too, humorous, yeah. you know, it doesn't take itself way that's too true. seriously. I don't even think yeah. the movie's amazing yeah. or anything, but like there's such clear examples of why it succeeds narratively, whereas Eternals is just mm-hmm. a big fucking mess. Like... What is it supposed to be? <laughs> yeah, there's about a million reasons. It's more of a comedy, too, Guardians. That helps it a lot. This movie is not funny. <laughs> it's not funny at all. I don't think it tries to be. They, they attempt a few jokes in here, but they they don't land. I don't know if the audiences you were with connected with that side of it, but it was it was pretty quiet <laughs> in the uh-huh. theater I saw it. If, if I wasn't looking at the poster right now, I would have thought there were like six characters in the movie and not ten. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't have like the full count in my mind. <laughs> we haven't even mentioned like Angelina Jolie. She's, She's in there this movie for some reason. She's oh my there. god! She does finally stuff. in the Marvel verse. She was. She was just such a non-factor. She's yeah. barely in the movie. Mm-hmm. She was not a part of it. She didn't really have any moments. She went she crazy once. Well, the thing with her memories was ridiculous. They have to like erase her memories, otherwise she has like these random spurts where she tries to kill everyone. Yeah, that's weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is weird. It doesn't make any sense. It's just like, okay, so why don't you erase your memory instead of like randomly attacking people? Like, <laughs> and then you know, it's like at the most inconvenient time she gets attacked. There's a reveal at some point in the movie where the Eternals are revealed to be these synthetic creations. Yeah. And it was something to do with that, like her programming they're, they're going like wrong. cyborgs. Okay, it's, it's way people, more stupid than, like than mechanical. giving it credit right now. So the big boy created the the uh, uh, deviants. kind of looks like. <laughs> he created the deviants, and then he was like, oops, I forgot that things evolve sometimes. So because the deviants evolved, they were like, well, let's kill humans. And they were like, this is the opposite of what I wanted to happen. And the reason why he... He, <laughs> the reason why they need humans is for an energy source on the planet to create another big boy. But the energy source has to be smart. It has to be like, it has to be like a smart species for some reason. You can't just have energy from dumb species. So they need. He created the Eternals. <laughs> they have to develop them. Yeah, he created the Eternals synthetically and made them very diverse. One of them deaf and one of them a large gay black man, and just to protect human beings throughout history <laughs> and. They, he, said, he said that they can't interfere with anything as long as unless it's the deviants doing things and it's just it doesn't i'm sorry it doesn't make any sense so why would you give the turtles the capability of changing their minds after first of all like you've made that mistake basically with the evolution thing you've created the turtles specifically so that they can't evolve that's why they're eternal that's why they, they don't age mm-hmm. yeah it's like what <laughs> Either create them in a way where they can't change their mind when you, they find out that you lied to them, or don't lie to them and just tell them from the beginning so they don't get attached to 
this civilization or whatever, or just don't even tell them that you're doing it. Like, why did why did he tell the <laughs> was it Cersei? Or just don't make the movie. Like, why did he tell yeah, them? The sussy. Yeah, because like the yeah, Icarus character <laughs> and Salma Hayek or whatever, like they found out he had to he had to kill her over it, and so then the mm-hmm. big boy. <laughs> For some reason, despite it being very clear that the Eternals aren't going to take this lightly, that they're going to probably disagree with this, and Icarus knows this because he just had to kill Selma Hayek over it, but then the big boy just tells uh, Cersei, he's like, yep, this is what we're going to do. And then she's like, oh, I don't want to do this. And then that's the whole conflict of the movie is that she doesn't want to do it. It's like, you created them. Why did you tell them? Why did you lie to them? There's like a billion other things that could have happened. Like, none of it makes any sense. We're supposed to believe that you're some, like, gigantic celestial being that's like some god or some shit. (laughs) You can just create things out of nowhere. Sounds like you're a fucking idiot. (laughs) Like, sounds like you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. (laughs) But what what I'm saying is that, like, okay, these clockwork people, mechanical people, like, they erase their memory every thousand years or yeah. th- thousands mm. of years. Like once they wipe out a planet, they erase their memory. So like Angelina Jolie, she she needs her memories erased. Otherwise she's like trying to kill everyone. But it's like, they've done it tons of times already, like just erase her memory. So she doesn't like try to yeah. kill everyone, like at the most inconvenient points in the story. Like, <laughs> And then like, of course, like she starts trying to kill, like I think Gilgamesh or something, like one of the other guys and gets him killed. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's like such a like thrown in plot point. Like it's so contrived, so convenient. Like yeah, if they no just like erased her memory, then none of that would have happened. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. It, like why? Why is she? Why isn't she doing that? Like it's kind of the more likable heroic thing to do, which is be to erase your memory. Oops. Movies I remember suck. them abusing <laughs> a lot of the kind of hero shots as well, as if like they're like so doing it when the Avengers come together and stuff, and then they play like the fanfare, and they're doing it here a lot. But but it doesn't. That, work it was just here. wasn't earned at all. So it's like you don't have the connection with just, those characters. Yeah, and the Avengers. <laughs> you, you know, Captain America. He has his own movies and Thor, and and here it's like mm-hmm. Richard Madden like kills one of the deviants and he comes out of like a storefront and they they do like that hero shot like you're saying there's mm-hmm. no connection to this guy you've known him for five minutes like it doesn't matter yeah. it's not yeah. it, it doesn't have the impact yeah that's why I don't, I don't know why even they chose to do this they had they had a lot of uh shots of the sun in the background and like lens flare behind the characters is it like the character mm-hmm. moves mm-hmm. over the sun like wow, I'm just seeing the same shots over and over in this movie, and Chloe thinks it's really cool looking. I guess <laughs> I don't. Know. Yeah, this makes me worried for X Men. This makes me worried for Fantastic Four. Like oh. any movie with like a group of people. X Men and Fantastic Four. I mean, at least they're a bit more defined and like culturally known. You know. Yeah, people know who they are a bit more. And also, you can't get much worse than Fantastic anyway. Right, <laughs> we've had the worst. Yeah, it hasn't had a great record that franchise. Josh Trank, the Trankster. <laughs> uh, so this movie made uh, three hundred sixty-eight million dollars worldwide, is what it says. That's nothing. Yeah, because it cost two hundred million to make. <laughs> Who knows mm-hmm. how much they spent oh. on advertising? So I don't know. This is teetering the line between like flop and. It's certainly not a it's success. A, it's a flop. It should have made a billion. It's a flop. It seems like they were probably hoping for a billion, but yeah, they probably would hope for that. 
So what do they do? Do they abandon their plans? They've never had to abandon their plans so far, but they put a lot of money into this, this whole cast and everything, yeah. and they clearly wanted a future with the teasers and the credits and stuff. Yeah, maybe right? they should have made a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They should have. This is terrible. 150 domestically. Like, watch how well Spider-Man does. Even Shang-Chi was better than this. Mm-hmm. Shang-Chi was much better. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet. Mm-hmm. Even Black Widow was better than this. I don't even like Black Widow. <laughs> Black Widow's yeah, incredibly it's bland. Sad, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was really bland. Actually, mm-hmm. I forgot I saw that. That, that kind of falls yeah. into that Thor 2 category for me where yeah, I just forgot does, I even yeah. saw it. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. For sure. This is still worse. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is like one yeah, of the worst movies worse. of the year. This will make like my worst <laughs> of lists. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is terrible. There's a this big uh, meme over the uh, Disney promoting like, oh, we refuse to edit the gay scenes out of this movie. And it, I'm looking it up right now. It turns That's out right. the, that the reality is a little bit more nuanced. So the film was not released in Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, Qatar. I don't, I don't know how to pronounce these. Bahrain and Oman due to the depiction of a gay couple. However, theaters in the UAE, Jordan, Lebanon, and Egypt will be showing an edited version of the film, which is missing all the love scenes. So yeah, apparently not every country. Wow, Jesus! Yes, yeah, so they're just editing it out. Yeah. Not like they're missing anything. It's I mean, not. It's not like the movie it... itself and, and yeah. those scenes. It doesn't add anything to the movie. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's not like you can't edit shit. it. Out. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, it looks like it's just depending on the country for some reason. I don't know why they're ma- making certain edits for certain countries, but not every country, mm-hmm. which is weird. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, super weird. Yeah. Well. I can't wait for their next movie with their first gay character <laughs> every year. Mm-hmm. Keeps happening. Yeah. Well, I guess, uh, I don't know, anything else to say about fucking the best Marvel movie? The only reason I saw it is because it was <laughs> negatively received. I never would have watched this. <laughs> Why'd you watch it? Just because it was like the headlines were like, this is the lowest scored Marvel movie ever on Rotten <laughs> oh, Tomatoes yeah. and Metacritic and blah 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 and I was like oh this seems yeah, audiences didn't to respond to it either like no one likes this movie <laughs> this is not a good movie mm-hmm. yeah it doesn't even have the usual Defender Squad there's some diehard Marvel fans that like it it doesn't have a terrible IMDB rating it's like 6.8 or something they need to be told why this movie's bad <laughs> yeah this is really bad yeah, 6.8 out of 10. Yeah. 110,000 ratings. That's a much better uh, user rating than the film we will be talking yeah, about. I don't listen uh, to those user ratings. Either. Bunch of nonsense. Usually those scores are like super inflated. Like the yeah. Eternals or like any Marvel movie. Yeah. Joker's like at an 8. It's an identity. It's like an 8 something on IMDb. It's like one of the highest rated movies like of all time. It's like ridiculous. <laughs> like it does not deserve to be that high. And it's at, like most superhero movies, basically, except for like the Dark Knight or uh yeah, that's maybe the original Superman. <laughs> okay, what do we rate it? Um three out of ten. Yeah, ratings. It's terrible. I might give it a two out of ten. Oh. I'll say three. It's either three out of ten or a two out of ten. Yeah, I'm pretty much in the same place. So you give it like a one and a half star on letterboxed. So yeah, about okay. three out of ten. Yeah, it's like a one so and a half. Boring. Yeah. Just inexcusably boring yeah way too fucking long it's just too long yeah yeah there's no excuse there's no no good reason (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. Uh, Alex has recommended a movie. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah, That's so it. I recommended, I think this is the first time for Sardonicast, a, a repeat recommendation somewhat. Although, yeah. was the first conversation we had around it recommended or was it I just happened to have checked it out and we just kind of talked about it on the episode? I can't particularly remember. The point Let's is, see. It, was, it was years ago mm-hmm. at this point. Oh yeah, so it's in a uh, Isle of Dogs and Boy. So it was in it was a uh, you recommended Boy, and we talked about Antichrist. That's right. Yeah, I had a few, okay. So it wasn't fully recommended, but we no. have had a section where we did talk about it. I remember that, but yeah. that must explain why I don't really remember Ralph's thoughts on this movie as much. If it was just more of a throwaway kind of conversation, sure. but yeah, this is two thousand and nine Antichrist by Lars von Trier, a pretty controversial movie. The more I read about, it, the more I find out about it. This is my. <laughs> My my second watch of this movie, which is oh. about a, a grieving couple who uh, they, they have a loss of a, of a child in a pretty yeah. dramatic spoilers. opening cut scene. Well, opening scene, yeah, full spoilers <laughs> for this movie. Yeah, there's a whole opening slow mo sequence um, establishing the loss of their child through what you think's an accident at first, and it's all about the the kind of depressive mindset that one goes into as a result of such a horrendous occurrence and it's in the setting of a a woods which is a result of this kind of mysterious uh, relationship between Willem Dafoe and Charlotte Gainsbourg they're never really given a name they're kind of left vague as to serve this (laughs) heavy religious symbolism and and yeah just she and he and it's yeah it's a, a backbone of a lot of symbolism and it it's a kind of it's supposed to be a horror movie. Um, it's kind of Lars von Trier's yeah, kind of. take on a horror movie. Um, I don't the, the enjoyment I get from it is not necessarily from it succeeding as a horror movie, but more of Lars von Trier delving into the the mental health side of it and his expression of what depression did to him because that's a a clear theme of the movie to me in terms of just the the misery that his own depression and anxiety the, the place it brings you to and this whole idea of taking somewhere traditionally picturesque like a woodland like n- natural landscape and spinning it on its head and turning it into a sort of a, a harsh realistic truth of the world of this the chaos reigns the the when you you put a magnifying glass on nature on, on the woodland on the way life can be it can be extremely cruel and it all fits in with the depressive tone and the anxiety inducing visuals and just this relationship that's falling apart and it goes into all sorts of different themes relating to the way men and women relate to each other and this the kind of misogyny angle to this movie and Mm -hmm. and that's not even scratching the surface of like the controversy angle and how (laughs) this film was kind of booed and cheered simultaneously at Cannes and the the weird quotes of Von Trier when he's talking about himself around the time of when this movie came out, he's saying, I am the best film director. And <laughs> God, there's that. so many fascinating <laughs> quotes I'm with him. I'm the greatest <laughs> film director in the world. So I'm left like wondering yeah, how much of it is him <laughs> trying to prove himself <laughs> in this kind of over... Yeah, like... What, I'm still a bit like overwhelmed by this movie, but I'm def I definitely enjoyed it way more the second time. <laughs> yeah. I got a lot more out of the imagery and Great. just appreciating how it's put together a bit more. Um, just the variety of technique involved and some really, really uh, memorable um, imagery, especially with especially involving like the roots and yeah, combining it with the arms and everything. There's 
a lot of really expressive imagery that, that hammers home, I think, the clear intention of what it's going for. Mm-hmm. Even if what it winds up kind of saying at the very end, I'm a little bit kind of confused on. It's throwing a lot of stuff out there and <laughs> yeah. I'm getting a lot of value from that, but I'm still a bit confused as to what it all means necessarily at the end. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Ralph? Well, that's all true, Alex. <laughs> yeah, that's like a really good um, like analysis of it. Yeah, it's like capturing the feelings of depression. It's disturbing. It's not an enjoyable watch. I don't think that's why that's why we didn't enjoy it upon first viewing, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This time, I don't know. I still didn't enjoy it. <laughs> I think I like it, it a little bit more. Yeah. I, I, I like it a little more, knowing Lars von Trier now. Like being familiar with his body of work now. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I guess it's not as like it's not as unpleasant like watching it again. <laughs> It's not as shocking. It's like, oh, okay. He's just jerking off <laughs> the, the dick and blood yeah. comes out. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm desensitized to it, right? Like, huh. just genital me. <laughs> eh, whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, like how you describe yeah, it. Yeah, because sure. I was reading, like, it, it was one of those kind of controversial movies where when it was screened, people were, like, fainting and stuff. And <laughs> Good. You yeah, never sure. know what to take away it's a, from, like, when you read that. It's a really like, out there movie. It's a very yeah. art house. It's very artful. It's, yeah. Yeah, it, experimental you know, as fuck. Don't take everything yeah. literally, right? It's experimental. Yeah, that's that's more how you should look at it. Like, through that lens, it's actually really cool. It's something to be almost inspired by. Is <laughs> mm-hmm. Christ. Well, what about the title? Like, what's the significance of the the title? Well, I mean, it's it's uh, I don't know. She conflates or associates like satanic imagery with nature and womanhood, and I don't know. Like, you antichrist, you, yeah. you might as well just be using the title like Satan or just evil or I don't know. Like it, it. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know how specific it is to just the name antichrist that it's like that's so necessary for the title, but I don't know. It's in line with what's taking place in the film, I guess. I mean, it works as a title. I'm just... Yeah. You know, it's not overt. It's not like Satan's in the movie or... <laughs> at least not literally. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of comes out through the whole going back to the mental health aspect, Willem Dafoe, he plays, he's like a therapist and he's trying to, he's kind of picking her brain, trying to figure out what scares her most. And he's got that kind of fear triangle and yeah, Satan's at the top of that. He eventually figures out. And I think Willem Dafoe kind of carries the movie a a, a big chunk for me. It's a lot of his performance that that sells me on the, on the journey because he's kind of the, He's taken down the path with the other character and he's mm-hmm. kind of leading where things are going. He's quite active in terms of his role in the story and where it goes with him. Because, um, yeah, Charlotte Gainsbourg and where it goes with her is... So I'm still trying to kind of de- like uh, deconstruct in terms of she's... It's explained she's writing a thesis about this, um, you know, the misogyny of... of uh, humanity and it mm. eventually kind of she internalizes it genocide yeah that's the word i couldn't remember what the exact the exact phrase was but yeah willem discovers that she's been like intentionally putting like her, the son's shoes on the wrong way to make him deform because there's the whole letter from the doctor angle that's hidden until later on in the movie where that's revealed and that's right when that's right at the moment where things probably go off the rails mm. and the the physical violence begins and 
it really leans heavily on the kind of religious imagery of, you know, um, Charlotte Gainsbourg like drills a hole in Willem Dafoe's leg, and it's all very you know Christ-like with the the weight yeah, being attached sure. to him, and you know it's all very very Eden. symbolic. And it, it's I remember that's part of what bothered me on the first watch, where I was think I was taking it too literally, like trying to be like, oh, this just wouldn't happen under these. But it's way way <laughs> less, it's way more abstract than that. It's way more about exploring kind of a mindset and the way, yeah, the, sure, the the abstract way emotions can affect you and the, mm -hmm. the visuals of that. It, something that only filmmaking can really do for for these kind of intense emotions and these kind of negative thought patterns that are brought out through this kind of mental anguish. I think it does a good job of capturing something as abstract as that, but yeah, it's it's just the ultimate full stop conclusion. I'm I'm struggling to form a coherent sort of thought process around. I think that there's a couple different ways to interpret it. So she's writing her thesis and eventually and this is said I, I guess just in I think like one line Willem just Defoe says it like kind of explicitly is like, oh, so you were writing your thesis about the mistreatment of women, but then you actually started believing it. Like it, it, it's like she was, mm -hmm. her mind was changed by the text she was reading in a way that like it, it kind of absorbed what she was thinking. There's a better way to phrase this. It kind of like indoctrinated her in a way. Yeah, sort of convinced her. Yeah, you you could interpret this in a way where. Oh, she is just kind of crazy and allowed this to seep into her brain and it manifested in this awful way where she hated herself and hated nature and her sexuality and blah, 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 blah. You could interpret it in that way. Another way that I kind of think is also acceptable that I didn't think of until this previous time I watched it is that like perhaps there is a, a bit more of like a um, tropey supernatural thing going on where there is some sort of like spirit or presence that is taking over her and it's just manifesting itself in that way. And perhaps, you know, by the end of the movie, Willem Dafoe winds up killing her. Um, and it seems like he gets possessed in some sort of way. We see the um, uh, mm. reincorporation of those shots where they were describing the different stages of anxiety or the different symptoms of anxiety. And we see those start to happen, but now it's Willem Dafoe's body and you know something takes over him and he feels some sort of like murderous rage right and although yeah. yes you can take that as like yeah maybe there's like a spirit or entity i still think it also continues to fall under the lines of like okay well what is this saying about people about nature right like is it inherently nature for death and destruction and anger and jealousy and uh, resentment all of these things are natural they occur in nature right and how much imagery do we see of mm -hmm. just they mention the uh, acorns falling and it's like ah this is just more death and you see the bird falling and again that's imagery of the child falling out the window it's a lot of <laughs> a lot of uh, mm -hmm. falling in death quite explicitly and then you know the fox like chewing out its own insides and the the deformed deer mm -hmm. and the blah 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 it's like this is all nature it's disgusting it's awful you know and, and it's a necessary thing to have to come to terms with i guess as like a human being on this planet is that you know nature <laughs> nature is destructive nature can be brutal nature can be fucking terrifying but it's all just a part of existence and living on this planet so i think it's kind of still going in that 
that area of just I, I guess acceptance over the harsh realities that come with existence yeah i guess that's part of what i was thought i took away from it was it this kind of idea of what would it take to take you to that place to kind of make you the antichrist with the example of this being like the loss of a child mm -hmm. something so overwhelmingly devastating yeah. like and then just seeing what it can do to a person how close it can make you to that yeah there's like the brutal imagery of like a a, a a predatory bird eating a young that's just fallen out of its nest and again going back to that kind of depressive mindset and how it can make you really focus on the kind of misery in the world and i think it just really works as like a thought piece exploring those kind of ideas and that kind of misery mm -hmm. um, it's, it's very effective in that way even if it doesn't again i don't think it works in a in a horror sense to me i don't i don't feel it doesn't really fit genre-wise in, in my head, like, uh, where does this fit in terms of kind of other more traditional horror movies? It's much yeah. more psychological, I suppose, much more abstract. Maybe like Eraserhead. Yeah, you can't really view it as a more More that obvious... genre. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like, I like mm -hmm. Eraserhead more, for the record. <laughs> mm -hmm. I love how uh, experimental the film is, because they were really, in terms of, like, filmmaking techniques, they were doing a lot of shit that they were just like, we don't really even know if this will work or not. They actually did a test film to to see certain techniques in action before actually committing to like the larger project. They wound up using a um, just like a, a rig that was basically like a dolly and a camera that were controlled by a computer program. So they could input manually these movements into the rig that could simulate handheld movement and then in the same shot pull back or go forward in a perfect uh, what's the word linear a perfect linear shot zooming in and out so transitioning from handheld to linear like a study in a way like... where it's like the handheld yeah. was actually faked it was simulated I, I i think that that's really interesting and really cool yeah that's cool there's a few shots in the movie that are like that like the the tree shot where it like goes into the back of his head and then pulls back out. Yeah, all I was going to say, like is that one of still, them? That's one of them. The shot uh, near the beginning with the hospital before, I think before it goes into the, goes into the plant. I think that's one of them. I don't remember. But yeah, there's, there's a few where mm -hmm. it yeah, yeah. really does a lot of unique and unsettling and very new feeling camera movements that, I think really mm -hmm. help the tone and visual style of this film so much. Yeah, and just combining it with that, the visual symbolism of the the roots, especially, I love because there's so much overlap with like cause what it can mean, whether it be the the roots, like literally being like your family with the mm -hmm. whole kid being involved, and it being the roots there, or the roots in in your brain with the way you know the mental health side of it. Yeah. And it's just super expressive, and then combining the the sexual nature of this movie as well it's mm -hmm. inherently extremely sexual with the that was one of the oh the faint worthy moments <laughs> this movie's been touted for is the like real <laughs> real sex yeah. at the beginning but um yeah the kind of shock value taken aside it is it is establishing that side of the movie because it's it's a huge part of it because yeah. the charlotte gainsbourg's character kind of compulsively wants to have sex all the time and it's again touching on this kind of complicated relationship she has and has interpreted from this kind of 
fucked up readings and research she's been doing and the way she's misinterpreting it and mm -hmm. the horror that comes of that and it's just one of the kind of key subjects that often gets under people's skin is just using sexuality in the way they do and how extreme it goes towards the end with the you know the kind of the clit off and yeah the, the, the violence it goes and the just combining sexual imagery with the violence and horror just always works quite well a lot of people are sexually repressed in ways that they don't even realize, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think it. Time. I think it does make sense to have a movie that sort of explores sexuality in kind of like a horror, but more like a psychological way, where it's uh, clearly there's some damage <laughs> done to her, you know, mm -hmm. in how she views sexuality or nature or her own body her own instincts you know so yeah it it can lead to you know in on a way that's not as extreme as this film there's a lot of instances where it can lead to a lot of self-hate it can lead to you know suicide it can lead mm -hmm. to projection <laughs> you know it can it can there are people that like murder other people for like finding out some like weird sexual thing about them or you know, yep. like yep. people have killed themselves over like nudes being leaked. It's like, oh, you're you're naked, sort of thing. You know, mm -hmm. like, there's a lot of really uh, painful, damaging <laughs> views and uh, embedded emotions about sexuality and mm -hmm. general society that you know. I think it just especially makes, when it's tied in with religious beliefs yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Is part of this film, yeah. so like it's already fucked it's just up. just part of the human condition. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You can't not have the the sexual side of it. It's, yeah. it's all about reproduction as well with the kid being the whole point where the story starts off from. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I love that at the beginning in the the opening sequence you can see little uh little clues about uh, things to come. You can see the three beggars in the uh, in like a little you, you know there's like children's piece of wood and then they connect the oh this shape fits in this shape you can see the three animals in the, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the yeah, same shot that Willem Dafoe's butt is in or whoever's butt that was it might have been a double mm -hmm. you can see as the baby is coming out of the crib you can see the shoes are placed reversed which is also very like really uh, foreboding and I just I love that aspect of the movie because it's a, it's a subtle little thing you wouldn't notice not only in that shot it's an unexpected reveal the, yeah yeah all the other photos that willem dafoe was looking at it's like you don't notice that right away but once you do it's really unsettling it's like wow this is just mm -hmm. it's, it's not so yeah, obvious but it is really fucked up mm -hmm. like there are good horror elements to this i think regardless of whether or not it works as a horror movie for you like i it depends how much we want to i guess confine it to that genre or you know the tropiness yeah. of that genre you know yeah because it works much better in a it's psychological really um it, it makes you think it's a much more kind of thinky movie mm -hmm. than i guess my expectations that first time were just wired a bit wrong based on kind of having a horror label necessarily but yeah you're right there's definitely a lot of disturbing concepts but it, i find the scary part is where my mind takes me as a result of the imagery and what they're saying mm -hmm. as opposed to maybe directly what i'm seeing aside from some of the more stunning kind of impressive shots like the the root arm tree shot or you know the the chaos uh fox even i thought was 
was effective, way more effective this time. Now I kind of know what it's going for a bit yeah. more. It wasn't as it's silly. It didn't throw me off as much. For sure, it's definitely silly, but it's not even the only silly aspect of this film. Yeah, uh, the, just the visual effects and using using like real animals, I think, helped as well for for a lot of it. It kind of grounded it a bit, and just a fair amount of restraint and just little touches like the kind of warping effects on the woods just to kind yeah. of throw you off and kind of add to that dreamlike nature and I, on the whole dreamlike nature actually I really like that sequence where Willem's kind of getting uh, Charlotte Gainsbourg's character to picture images in her head mm-hmm. and just the kind of restrained way using that slow-mo with that kind of ultra-wide I love picturesque that. landscape that's really a really cool sequence and really kind of I don't know if realistic's the right word but it's I find it relatable in terms of conjuring imagery in your head. It's kind of dreamlike yeah. and just feels right for the way you would display that kind of idea. Yeah, very, very creative and cool. Very effectively communicated and super pu- purposeful and interesting and experimental visuals. Like, mm-hmm. the, love the what was it like thousand frames per second <laughs> shooting or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just it's so insane, and I, I love the lighting in that as well. Like, it's I I wouldn't. I wouldn't begin to understand how to like replicate a shot like that. It's just so there's so much within it that's just so juicy, you know, visually. It's just mm-hmm. such a yeah, there are quite so a few much of those to things. absorb out of it. I love those shots, which is great because like at the same time, you have these weird handheld, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. kind of dark, close looking shots, like their conversations in the near the beginning of the film. You know, a lot of the editing will cut in ways that traditionally, like, you're not supposed to. It'll be, like, on the like same the actor, same, same, angle. same angle. Yeah, we're just going to cut here. And it's like, oh, well, that that's weird, right? But it's him kind of, like, marrying these two different styles of filmmaking in, in a similar way that he kind of did with Dancer in the Dark, except in that film, it, it was much less extreme in the differences. I think that this film works a lot better in that sense, in terms of like showing a dynamic or, you know, showing the contrast between those two filming styles in the same movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's definitely uh, progressed a lot in that sense. I read uh, one review that had that described it as being self-consciously provocative, which I find interesting and wonder where you guys <laughs> come down on, because I, I don't really get the vibe that it's being disingenuous um, necessarily when it's bringing up the kind of the violence and the kind of things you'd expect people to get, you know, outraged or inflamed about with these movies. How much, how much of that do you think is like intentional or not, or going too far or not too far? Because hmm. I just feel like it's working well in terms of if it is the the first part of this depression trilogy and it's all trying to go for these kind of moods and ideas. I think it does a really good job with that kind of stuff. Um, I never feel pulled out from the extremities all the time or anything. Yeah, it it definitely works the best out of, well, for me anyway, out of his Depression trilogy. And Mm -hmm. in terms of like how much is he being conscious of the audience, I think to some degree Lars von Trier especially is always somewhat conscious of the, I think he, he is kind of a provocateur. He is kind of a troll. He loves to get reactions out of people. And -hmm. I think what makes or breaks a film for me is whether or not that takes precedence over what he's doing, right? 
there are scenes or sometimes even entire films he's made where like the entire point is just to be a troll just to get a reaction but i do feel like there was something genuine here even if perhaps he was you know maybe he was snickering to himself being like ha 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 we're gonna have the blood come out of the (laughs) pp like i don't know (laughs) like Mm -hmm. i think i I think that it's it's both exist at the same time you know (laughs) and as long as it's not detracting from the film in a negative way then you know fucking do it i like seeing weird shocking interesting things i like getting a new experience out of something you know yeah whereas with something what was that film house that jack built yeah from a few years ago uh, like yeah. that felt a, a bit less genuine at certain points yeah that was of more that of a troll of just pushing it <laughs> yeah it's just trolling <laughs> way more <laughs> i like that movie though that's more of a comedy. Yeah, I enjoy that. That one's movie. actually trying to be funny. I don't think there's much funny about that, about this yeah. one. I I I'll give that one a second chance at some point. It's yeah. I think I'll enjoy yeah, it more. That one's actually trying to be funny. This one's not trying to be funny. This one's like just disturbing. <laughs> depends on what you like. I mean, really, it just depends on what you're in the mood for. Mm-hmm. I don't want to watch this shit. It's just disturbing. Like the blood coming out of the penis, and like <laughs> all this bizarre shit. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not. Doesn't follow like a structure. It's not conventional at all. Yeah, it's just capturing that tone. Yeah, it's just about the tone. It's like a professionally made budget, you know, good budget movie that's also trying to be like Dogma ninety five kind of. You know, that's an like, art house. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a really art house. Yeah, being a few things at once here. Yeah, there's good choices. Like you said, it looks really good sometimes. I mean, like yeah, even if like good choices. Even if we're judging it like purely by its presentation and tone, it still manages yeah. to be so unique, right? Like, there's yeah. not mm-hmm. a lot of well, scenes. Well, the opening out is really there. great. Very the unique. opening's fucking the, the amazing. The prologue is, is excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's like, that really just kind of engages you in those two characters right away. Like, you actually want to see what happens. It's to incredible. Them, yeah. Which is what maybe ultimately watch the rest of the movie. Like, even if you don't like it, you want to see what happens to them. Mm hmm. Yeah, it does get you. You are engaged in that way. Yeah, and it's well shot. Yeah, the slow motion is good. And, you know, it, but it's black it's and white, and, and the and the piano music. Like that's what I mean by art house. Like someone could look at that and see it as pretentious, but it isn't. Like the way it's in the scene, it's actually used really well. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's really well done. I love, yeah. I love that scene so much. Even yeah. if we're to go at like you know different scenes within it's the film, scene. like. Um, you know, like I'd the... say that's probably my favorite scene, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too, probably, honestly. Even other scenes in the film, like the meditation fil- or meditation scene that you mentioned, Alex, or like mm-hmm. her flashback when she's talking about how she heard Nick crying in the woods and he wasn't. Like, I love that sequence. It's just so fucking creepy to hear that echoing baby crying that's as she's the, like walking As far around, as horror you know? goes. Like, that's one of the scariest scenes to me. Yeah, yeah, and it's just purely it's very unnerving, tone, unnatural. You know, it's like it's there's no yeah. jump scare yeah. there. There's no resolution to it really, but just like the way it's shot and like she looks up and then you see the whole forest again. Like I love the, I just I love how weird everything is and how just I never see any movies even since that have come close to feeling like this film it's it's such a unique unique experience mm-hmm. yeah it's definitely unique that's one thing i'll give uh, von Trier. yeah exactly <laughs> yeah it's uh there there's to be honest there's a few moments of this film where i don't feel sold on 
what is being presented. Uh, even like the first time I watched it, there's parts where, you know, she's like running around chasing him like, where are you sort of thing? And it's like, eh, you know, I'm not like completely sold on what's happening in a narrative sense. Not that not that it needs to be like literal or anything, but just I kind of feel like, ah, this is mm-hmm. kind of silly. Like I get that throughout the movie in, in some moments, but overall I just like mm-hmm. in terms of what it's showing, how it's showing it and just being unique and just ballsy, just being like, yeah, this is the movie I wanted to make. I'm not going to compromise. I'm going to show a dude come blood and Charlotte Gainsbourg is going to cut her clit off and <laughs> it's going to be an art house movie. <laughs> we're going to have some classical music and show, show classical music in black and white full, showing like full on penetration. You know, like mm-hmm. who does that? Yeah. Nobody. It's fucking yeah, it's it's, literally. It's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> There's a vision. There's a vision there. He made his yeah, movie. balls in the movie. <laughs> it's fucking awesome. It's Criterion. It's his last movie before he admitted he's a Nazi. <laughs> but he didn't. <laughs> yeah, speaking of awkward clips. That's Melancholia, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was Melancholia interview at Cannes. <laughs> yeah. If anybody's curious about that controversy, he made a stupid joke, but he's Lars von Trier and doesn't understand how to be a normal human being. Yeah, it didn't come across the right way. <laughs> yeah, he just kept yeah, digging really his hole, that. too. One of the most awkward... Mm-hmm moments you could ever possibly watch ever kirsten dunce looks like she wants to escape out of her body oh yeah <laughs> yeah she really tries yeah <laughs> Every, i love an entire table of people sitting next to him just clearly giving him looks just saying like stop what you're stop, doing like stop. what are you doing yeah, Lars? Yeah. and he just keeps going like despite all of that like people are like guards guards leading in like charlotte gainsbourg's like like brushing her teeth with her finger basically like she's doing this weird cringe thing it's, a, uh, oh, it's so awkward that's like one of the finest moments of cinema and i'm glad lars von trier is such an auteur that he brought it to us thanks lars you made his life a movie yeah <laughs> What a guy. What a crazy, funny, eccentric character. Very hit or miss. Yeah, the type but. of person you want to see uh, movies from. Cause exactly. Because interesting in one way or another. Give more crazy people cameras. It's <laughs> <laughs> my motto. And uh, dedicated to Tarkovsky. Yeah. In there, interesting. Nice little note. Yeah, interesting. Because he didn't like recently die before that movie. So there must be something about mm-hmm. this film in particular that he felt really connected to uh, his legacy in that sense. Yeah. Sure. It's kind of Tarkovsky-esque. Yeah, I can see bits of it. but Yeah, hints here and there. <laughs> All right. What do you give it out of 10, unless you want to talk about it more? That's that's most of what I have to say about it, unless you have more to throw out there, Ralph. Yeah, I, I don't have much to say about it, even on this viewing. <laughs> Not the biggest fan. Yeah, I, I enjoyed this uh, a lot more. Like I, I connected, especially with those visuals and the way it was made, and I was appreciating that side of it so much more. And... Yeah, I was kind of downplaying the horror aspect of it, but there is some really creepy uh, stuff going mm-hmm. on psychologically with this movie, and it's that's the side it succeeds on. It's not like a more traditional, like, we're talking about, like, characters and their relationship. It's not because it's, like, realistic necessarily, because it, like, devolves into, like, not not very literal storytelling. The structure's kind of wacky, and there's, it's like a four-act structure, and it's all held together mm-hmm. with kind of craziness and trying to overwhelm <laughs> and confuse you and communicate abstract ideas but 
Yeah, it's getting better each time I see it. So I'm going to throw a three and a half star on this. Um, I'm still not fully yeah. convinced. Um, I, I find sections of it kind of slow and plodding. Mm-hmm. Um, but I almost wonder if some of that's intentional sometimes with him, especially if he is such a like troll. So yeah, I, was, I enjoyed my second watch of this. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. I don't think I'd change my rating. Maybe up to like a six, maybe. I think the opening is the strongest part. I think that's part of my criticism. It kind of peaks there. Yeah, it's hard not mm-hmm. to get emotionally engaged in that opening. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like exactly. all this disturbing imagery, you can find it like comical. I, I think that's what I found it the first time. I could see. Yeah, I had know. that problem the first time. Yeah. A lot, a lot of gross imagery. <laughs> but if you like mm-hmm. that thing, you'll be good. <laughs> uh, interesting film, for sure. Mm-hmm. Either a five or a six out of ten. I'm somewhere between an eight or a nine. Yeah. Yeah. Either of those numbers will suffice. Nothing wrong with either of those numbers. Love the choices. Love the uniqueness. There's some weird stuff that it's just in the movie and is creepy. Like everybody's face is blurred and the yeah. main characters do, don't have names. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was a cool yeah, choice. Yeah. I think you mentioned that in one of your reviews. Yeah. That was yeah. cool. Um, yeah. All of these movies are unique, you know. I think it's just like whichever ones you like the most. Like I like mm. Dancer in the Dark more. I think I like I might like House of Jack built more. Yeah. I probably like Dancer in the Dark more. Yeah, I prefer Dancer in the Dark. Yeah. yeah. Or um what else has he done? Is he, did he do Dogville? Was that him? Yes. I still need to see that. Okay, mm-hmm. I still need to see that. That's a weird and one. And something yeah. else recently. There's Nymphomaniac. That's Nymphomaniac, that's Melancholia, yeah. The Idiots. <laughs> that's a film. Uh-huh. <laughs> the Idiots. Oh, don't look up anything about that one if you haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah, watch that one and tell me what you think of Lars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks. Sorry, I don't love it. <laughs> oh, whatever. It's very art house. Yeah. So if that, it might be your thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't really blame anyone for not being able to connect with it. Question time. Okay, let's do some questions from the Sardonicast community. If you want to leave your own questions for us to answer, head over to the suggestion thread on the subreddit. Just like hmm, BBD4116 did, what is the most physical reaction you've ever had to a movie? Seems like an appropriate question with the recommendation being Antichrist. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, a lot of the movies you guys recommend, Antichrist, Martyrs... <laughs> Fucking mm, I had quite a physical reaction to martyrs that you throw that out. Yeah. There. Even though there isn't a lot of blood with some of the imagery, it's just something about the like scraping knives across arms and like it just yeah. not, not flinching yeah, away from it. There's disturbing imagery stuff. in there. Like people get beaten mm-hmm. and killed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Dear Zachary, maybe. Yeah, sure. Damn, you describe it as a physical reaction too. Like a real, I mean, a real mover. Yeah. Yeah. It's fair enough. It's. I can't remember if I said if I checked it out, but I did, and yeah, you were yeah. you weren't wrong on that one. Jesus Christ! Yeah. I think that's a compliment to the movie that I like. I'm grossed out by these movies, mm-hmm. and I rate them kind of lowly. I think that's a compliment. To them. <laughs> I think yeah, they succeeded yeah. at what they were trying to do. Yeah, you know? he he wants you to be saying <laughs> "fuck you, Lars" at the end. Mm-hmm. Kind of in a way. He does. <laughs> he loves it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, the awesome redditor has one for us. Is there a movie-watching experience that is so bad and annoying you couldn't actually pay attention to the film? What movie was it and what happened? For example, someone talking through the movie, movie buffering, movie theater projector not working, or something just super random. There's a lady kicking my seat the entire fucking movie, and I was so pissed off. Do you remember the movie? 
It was uh, Kente Kantara by the director of Magical Girl, whose name I forget. And I'll watch it again someday so I can actually watch the movie. But it was like she was like waging war with me because I had my seat leaned back a bit, which they don't let you lean it back any further than like there's a a piece of fuck, part of the floor is like stopping you from leaning it back so far that it would actually like touch anybody. But she wanted her feet up on my seat, basically, like she was leaning back with her feet on the back of my seat rest. And it was really upsetting and frustrating. And so I was like trying to push back and she was like just pushing me. I was like, what the fuck? And then eventually I was like, I don't remember what I did. I just like, I got up and I was like, what are you doing? And I just went to a different seat and people in the audience were mad at me for like getting up and saying something. It's like, I didn't, I I didn't, I wasn't even very loud. I was just like, what? I was just acknowledging this person. They were like, shh. As if I was being disturbing the entire time. What I should have done was go to the fucking uh, employees of the theater and be like, hey, can you kick her out or something? Like, that's what I should have done is acknowledge that there was somebody being like an absolute fucking monster in the theater. Yeah. What the yeah. Hell? yeah. What a lame situation. Yeah. <laughs> like, why, why do you need your feet to be on the back of my seat? Why does it matter to you? <laughs> like, For an entire me- Yeah. Yeah. That's. Yeah. I was so, so stupid, so angry. Yeah, that sucks. The, what jumps into my mind is seeing that actually the Peter Jackson King Kong in the theater it must have been pretty young at the time when it came out. But someone brought along their like really young baby, right? And oh god, just was crying for the, like the whole goddamn movie. But and I couldn't focus <laughs> on it because I was just like, "But why'd you bring a baby to King Kong? It's, it's a long ass movie." So. Yeah. <laughs> Why, why, like, you just triggered another memory why? for me. <laughs> the baby-related one. The, the, that's a good one. Because it, like, it's like the most distracting, disturbing noise. We're like programmed to find it disturbing. So, of course, it's like the most distracting thing you could possibly hear while there's a giant ape fighting a T-Rex on screen. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's too distracting. She took it to fucking, like, I think it was Xavier Dolan's mommy. Like, like <laughs> really? Yeah, it was like I had seen it once, and I was taking my friends to see it. Like it was one of like I had seen it before, but I'm like, fuck, this is still ruining. Like, I'm glad I saw it before, but like, why? There's a baby crying the entire movie. It was like 40 minutes through the movie. I just I just said out loud, "Can you please take the baby outside?" And then there were fucking white knights in the theater that were like, she deserves to be here. You go, girl. And like, I was like, holy fuck, I was just so mad. So I just like dealt with it the rest yeah. of the movie. It's just like not an environment for yeah. a baby. Why don't no. hire a babysitter? If you can't afford one, you shouldn't be going to a fucking movie. Yeah, the baby movie doesn't want to be <laughs> At least. Yeah, well, it's like, you know, in three months it's going to be out on digital anyway. Like, just wait. Like, come on. I have, yeah, I have too many Larry David moments. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing anything wrong. Why is everybody mad at me? <laughs> I remember the projector just like shut off, like the film burns out, something like that. Mm-hmm. You ever have that? Yeah, happen? that's annoying. Like, that's happened like once to me. Yeah, I've had them like point the projector like the wrong wall and stuff, so it just starts oh, playing. That's, that's, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, they just fucked up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the sound was playing, and there was just no no visuals. <laughs> so everyone was just waiting for like twenty minutes. Like, oh, this is not intentional. <laughs> someone yeah, get yeah. someone. <laughs> It seems like yeah. when I go out in public and watch a movie, it, it, everybody's on a challenge to see who can piss me off. <laughs> like, just just let me watch things at home. I'm fine with it. Yeah, yeah same. <laughs> I'll never leave the house again. Yeah. 
Okay, um, we have this one here from Etisham Sakib. Question for Adam. Once upon a time, you joined the movie fights organized by Screen Junkies. How was that experience? Also, how did you feel when Pee-wee's Big Adventure won over Brazil as the best film of 1985? <laughs> I remember this. I was uh, When I was in Canada, I was supposed to ask you about this because I, I randomly remembered this video the other yeah. day, like the whole movie fights podcast thing. Yeah, you're on an episode, aren't you? With the cool yeah. cat shirt on and everything. It was a it was an interesting <laughs> experience because that was my first real dive into like the corporatism of some YouTube channels. It was like, oh, mm. you know, I'm I'm a person creating my own thing, but you're a business. You're a business full of people. Yeah, like a big were, business. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah owned by they're a subsidiary of another business and so it's like yeah i go into their uh office or whatever there's like a fuck ton of people like on computers doing like a bunch of diff- different random shit and there's mm-hmm. yeah they have like a room for the st- studio or whatever set up with it what was weird about it is like the format is just kind of really phony <laughs> like <laughs> because you're not really fighting over movies like if you have to submit your answers before t- uh, before the episode. So through email, they'll uh, ask you these questions, and then you commit to certain answers. So the question for one of them was like favorite female director or whatever. And so if somebody else already picks your pick, you have to go with your second best and then fight that person for your second best and pretend that oh, you know, that's yeah, it's right. so silly, right? So if if somebody yeah, else had said Brazil already for like favorite movie of 1985, then I would have had to have picked a movie other than Brazil and argue <laughs> why it's better than Brazil, even if I don't believe it, which is just kind of uh, like, yeah, yeah that's stupid. So, yeah, a lot of uh, fake phoniness going on. Um, I wrote in that one of the questions was like, like an ultimate fan fiction of Back to the Future or something. And I said in the email i'm like oh yeah we'll have like a rick and morty crossover where they have to prevent 9-11 and they said you can't say that i'm like okay fine so i, <laughs> I took out the 9-11 part so i didn't get to say what i, I really wanted jokes. i was just being kind of funny they allowed me to do my um convention a wallace as bruce willis thing though and i won with that one that was like the most epic win in movie fights history is winning by saying convention a wallace should play young John McClane in a Die Hard prequel. <laughs> and I said, yeah, this is like before the surgery. And I actually won with that. <laughs> you should, if, if you're going to watch anything, you got to watch that part if you're listening. But yeah, I, I was there. I did that. I lost because I forgot who Christopher Guest was. Even though I had seen Spinal Tap and Best in Show, I just he was, wasn't as common of a name in my mind. So mm-hmm. otherwise, I did pretty good. And uh, we recorded another episode of some other thing that they wanted me on and it was like i was geeking out about pokemon or something and this was so this was a not movie fights thing i don't even remember what the show was called but they had me on this and i was kind of pissed off because after the fact like they didn't tell me this before i was on the show i find out later that this was a part of their like exclusive membership thing where you have to pay them monthly to even watch it I was like, yeah. I was on this because I thought maybe my fans would be able to see me talk about Pokemon on this thing, mm-hmm. you know? Like, that's yeah, why I was on it. And they couldn't even, like, yeah, they they just seemed really like, ah, oh, whatever. Like, eh. Like, they didn't do anything wrong. So, yeah, it's a lot of uh, human <laughs> emotion and a proper treating people like human beings is lost when you're a big company. 
you know, it just devolves mm-hmm. into uh, really impersonal interactions and transactionary business sort of things. And that's why I don't do that and why I choose to be a decent person. But it was interesting at least experiencing that. So Yeah, it's definitely interesting. It's a business. <laughs> it's a business. Business. Uh, Welcome to show business. AV Center staff member two has one for us. In the age of excessive CGI and green screen, a lot of it being pretty dog shit, I tend to enjoy looking at old movies that not only use real locations, but use said locations to enhance the story or experience in some way, shape, or form. Though this isn't exclusively for old movies, as there are plenty of movies that film on location made today. So my question is, what are some films that really use their locations to the greatest extent they can, which enhance the story, character, scope, etc.? My pick would be Lawrence of Arabia, but I'd be interested to see what you guys would pick. Barry Lyndon, I think of right away. Lawrence of Arabia is a good one. I know that there's some in my head that I've talked about recently, <laughs> and I, I'm yeah, going to have to go through my ratings the podcast. Here. Yeah, Barry Lyndon, definitely. Locations in that enhance the movie. I mean, Possession was a great one recently. Mm-hmm. I like when um, like fantasy or science fiction uses good locations to kind of ground... The kind of more wacky visuals, like uh, like a Lord of the Rings, I think is a good mm-hmm. one. Yeah, as, as much as like a, they do use a lot of pre-made sets and everything, there was a fair amount shot in the actual wilderness of New Zealand, and it really helps ground that story mm-hmm. and give it kind of a realistic look that keeps you in it. Any Sean Baker film is a really good example. Like he's he's always making some sort of like commentary on like the culture, the, the location, you know. Stalker was a really good one. Yeah, I was going to say that one as well. Yeah, that's kind of a core to Great the whole example. fun of that movie. Yeah, it's the setting is the character sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a few. Yeah, we had some yeah. good ones in there. <laughs> it's funny. Stalker is a good this one. one then from uh, Greenhood Three Hundred. Since the Nicardo Avocado thing, how could call that? So, shut like... the fuck up. <laughs> you nobody says Nicardo, and it's, that's what it sounds like. It's, it's what it's, you're supposed to say. How come everybody says Nicardo? How come everybody says that? Oh, did I, I, nobody can say Nick. Did I not say Nicardo? I swear. Wait, you how said, did I say it? Maybe I'm, Nicardo. I'm, maybe maybe I'm I just freaking it. out for no reason. I, <laughs> I could be sure wrong. It's, but... it's a thing that happens to me quite a lot where I read like people's online names and I, I see it written so many times and then I realize, oh, I don't think I've ever actually said this out loud before. So mm. then I might just say it completely yeah, wrong. I might have so. fucked that at you for no yeah. reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me try again then. Since the... Nicocado avocado thing. What are your guys' stance on the whole body shaming slash fat shaming? Do you guys think it's okay to let people actually eat themselves to death versus taking good care of your body? Michael Imperioli predicted James Gandolfini's death by warning him he'll have a heart attack by the time he's 50. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Fucking America, right? Freedom. Done. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what, it, what what do you want me to say? Well, like, no, I mean, like, you're the ones that, like, shout really loudly about it and have the fattest people. So, yeah, I mean, well, yeah, if you want to be fat, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, have you ever been to the Heart Attack Grill? It's fucking insane. <laughs> no. You in Vegas? Oh, yeah. That's, that's All their funny. burgers are, like, coated in lard. They call their burgers the... Um, the single bypass, the double bypass, the triple bypass, quadruple bypass, <laughs> etc. Their pricing model, they, it's like a really expensive burger, but then it's like, oh, you add 10 strips of bacon for like five cents, and you're like, I got to do that. Uh, if you're over 350 pounds, you eat free. All of the serving staff are dressed up in like sexy nurse outfits. They sell shots in uh, prescription pill bottles, basically. They sell cigarettes. 
Um, so dark. And yeah, it's basically <laughs> the the owner of the restaurant is like, yeah, we'll kill you. And he keeps going through spokespeople because they keep dying. <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah, people have had heart attacks so in our fucked. restaurant. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. But that's freedom, right? Yeah. yeah. That's freedom. That's yeah. like the extreme. <laughs> So, Alex, in, in your country, they, um, they like, regulate the amount of sugar in drinks, right? Is that a thing? There are quite a few. Yeah, the, it was semi-recently the, uh, the drink sugar levy tax or whatever was included. So, if you get the sugar version of a soda, like the full sugar version, you, you have to pay a little bit more. Oh. You're, supposed to dis- you're supposed to put you off buying the sugar version. Yeah, they do that mm. with cigarettes in Canada, for sure. Cigarettes are mm. so much more okay. expensive in Canada than the, the U.S. because of just tax... You know, we'll we'll tax you. Oh, really? They just they you put, not to do it. Mm-hmm. They try. They do that in the UK as well. They make them very expensive. <laughs> Vegas place makes me want to go there. <laughs> if people just want to hear me talk about Nikocado avocado, like whatever, let the guy do what he wants. He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows literally. He, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's thing. not. He's not under a different impression of what he's doing. He's very clearly got a <laughs> feeder fetish and potentially a humiliation fetish. He's doing it, and you're giving him attention, and you're helping him facilitate that by directing more people towards his content so if you don't like it then you should ignore it right like what else are you going to do what's the problem yeah what are they suggesting in the comment to do otherwise what clamp down and like we gotta like, what, what do you mean like make a citizen's arrest <laughs> clamp down and they got it <laughs> citizen's arrest don't have a card yeah, yeah. he knows he knows yeah, exactly he clearly what knows what he's doing mm-hmm. so i don't understand the controversy well fat shaming I mm-hmm. fat shame Steven Seagal. That's about it. <laughs> I don't fat, fat shame, shame myself to lose weight. Yeah, I fat mm-hmm. shame myself. That's what's okay to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fucking uh, hype for uh, the new Aronofsky movie, right? That's going to be the plot. She's gonna, oh, yeah, yeah. I saw, <laughs> a, I saw a frame from that the other day. Yeah. Oh, there's a frame out yeah, there? I think so. Unless it was like some fan yeah. Photoshop or something. He's got Brendan Fraser playing Nick Avocado. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the future. Oh man. Okay, let's do uh, this one from Dat Jew Boy. We know Ralph has Scorch's PFG TV and redacted yeah. as his guilty pleasure trash TV. Mr. Adam Dice. and Alex, do you have any guilty pleasure shows that you'll watch from time to time? Ralph, are there any others that you would cough, cough, <laughs> you, recommend? You didn't mention Mystery Diners. Yeah, Mystery Diners as well is an obvious one. <laughs> Price is Right, Judge Judy, Shark Tank. Or Dragon's Den is better, actually, but or it used to be when they still. Oh had yeah, Kevin Dragon's O'Leary. Den is. Uh... You think Dragon's Den is better? Yeah, when they had Kevin O'Leary, yes, one hundred percent. Oh, okay. Why? Uh, I I think uh, Shark Tank's good. For what reasons? Because yeah. like I'm Shark about Tank. to provide reasons. Kevin O'Leary, <laughs> what, what, for, what, I don't know. Well, you think the the editing of American television is overdramatic? Yes, that, yes, and I'll yeah. tell you, I'll tell you what bullshit they do is. It's, it's made for on people Dragon's Den. So the first however many seasons with and Kevin Dragon's O'Leary, Den is like really boring. It was, it was <laughs> no, it's not. Oh, you don't understand. They, they, um, it's so manipulative how they uh, edit things, especially if you're watching on cable and there's actual commercials. So on Dragon's Den, when Kevin O'Leary was still around, and I believe they still edit it this way, but in Canada, each pitch doesn't get interrupted by a commercial break. Whereas in Shark Tank, you could be watching a pitch and they'll be like, oh, but it's time for a commercial. And then they'll come back to the same pitch. Yeah. Each pitch is contained within the same block, right? Sure. 
That mm-hmm. pisses yeah, yeah. me off when yeah, I'm yeah. watching American television. It's like, oh, we've had three commercial breaks. Uh, American on the same television, oh, they leave you yourself. on the cliffhanger. It's so annoying. It's usually on a cliffhanger. Like, like we're gonna offer you, dun, 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 and then like they're about to say the money. <laughs> Other than that, the shows aren't that different than a bunch yeah. of med That's like the biggest difference. Yeah, it's usually the there's just like a lot of music and a lot of like yeah. dramatic like editing and you know pans. And that, yeah, there's the, not as much of that. The, they they do like let the guys like I think I've seen like more. I don't know how to explain it. Like the pitches on Dragon's Den are like better. Like you actually get more of a sense of like what they're talking about. They're oh. usually more like unedited, less I guess. sensationalist. I don't know. Less sensationalized. Funny you mentioned and then, Dragon's Den. And then usually Den. you get like actually worse ideas. Like the guys who bomb on Dragon's Den, like you actually like hear them out. Like they let you get to like listen to them. Like <laughs> if this was American television, they probably just would have cut it out like completely. But here, like, you actually get to see these guys, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, one guy was, like, reinventing, like, uh, stop signs and, like, red lights. Like, that was <laughs> yeah. his idea. It was, like, so terrible. <laughs> but I- I've never seen anything on, like, the American Shark Tank like that. Mm-hmm. I think so, there's so two different Dragon's cool. Dens, by the way. There's the Canadian one and the UK one, also, just to be clear. Yeah, I don't know which one that was. It could have, you know, Were I they talking, tell. like, British people or, like, Canadians? <laughs> 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 if Kevin O'Leary was on it, it was the Canadian one. I guess they were British. I think that was the that might have been the British one. Yeah, Kevin O'Leary's in the in the Canadian one. Yeah, the, he got taken okay. from the Canadian show to make Shark Tank. Americans paid him more, so he left, and then the Canadian version just got boring after that point. So I was forced sure, to watch okay. the terrible. I might be talking about the British one. Then. Okay, I might not have okay. even seen the one you're, yeah, you're talking about. The Canadian one has Kevin O'Leary on it for the first like four seasons or whatever. It is great. Yeah, okay. yeah. The I didn't realize there was a like a Canadian version of Dragon's Den. That's funny. Because um, I've always known it as like the British one from years ago. I hadn't thought about that show in years, but yeah, that's like a good answer for this. Has some like funny episodes and like weird like products that are just on the shelves of supermarkets that are like, oh yeah, that was that guy of Dragon's Den. I guess he. I guess he <laughs> oh, you have that. that. We have that for like Shark yeah. Tank, like as seen on Shark Tank. <laughs> and, oh, like, okay. Stop the shop. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin O'Leary okay. was in the first eight seasons in the Whoa. yeah Canadian one. Mm-hmm. And that was cool. I think the Canadian one might have been the first English one. So it's a, it's saying that the format originated in Japan in like 2001 <laughs> under like a different name. Um, mm-hmm. So this I'm looking at the wiki. It's like fucking every country has one, which is crazy. I mean, it makes sense. Like, why not? It's a good yeah, concept it does make for sense. a show. It's, it is a good so yeah, concept. 2006 for the Canadian one. And then where can I find the UK? Where does it say it began? Wiki. Let's see. Dragon's Den, British television 2011? program. Wow. Canadians did it first. No. Original network? No, you got 2005 <laughs> on BBC2. Oh, no, 2005. Yeah. We never do it first. The American guys have like a lot of money. Those are all like billionaires on that show. I mean, yeah, they're the Kevin O'Leary has a shit ton of money. And so, yeah, yeah. Shark Tank was like, hey, you want to come over here <laughs> on American television? He's like, yes, I do. Because, <laughs> of course, he would. <laughs> it's Kevin O'Leary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Give him a give him a better deal. Of course. <laughs> Who do you think it is? Yeah. Oh, he's so silly. He was he was gonna become our maybe like next Donald Trump sort of thing. Uh, like our he was thinking of running for oh, prime really? minister, and then he was like, <laughs> "Fuck, I have to learn French," and then just didn't. <laughs> yeah, just gave up. Mister <laughs> mm-hmm. Wonderful. Yes, he's so funny. <laughs> he's my he's favorite sayings monster. Uh, uh, he's got some good sayings. 
the Power Factor Six. <laughs> What's your guys' equivalent of like Love Island? Because that shit's huge. We we have Love Island. Okay? I've heard oh, about it. it. I think it's called. I think it's called the same thing, or we just watch yeah. it. It might be a different version. It? I don't know. I've never watched it. Yeah, people tell me about it. My brother told me about it. He says yeah. it's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Folks. It's yeah. kind of made me want to see It's just all it. like drama. It's a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. It is a bunch of bullshit. A bunch of like, like <laughs> fake fights, basically. But then, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. reality yeah. TV. Everyone loves it there in the UK. Yeah. I was obsessed with it. Of course. I'll add it to my watch list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all fucking I gotta at least see one. You know? Love I gotta Island. see what it is. Jesus. Maybe I'll find some YouTube clips. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there'll be tons of YouTube clips. Just, like, really kind of trashy British people, like, arguing about just nonsense. Mm -hmm. I might have seen one episode, like, a long time ago. Who knows? A couple years ago. Yeah, it was trash. Like, I can't remember. It's so forgettable. Okay, let's do one more here, then, from uh, V for Volta. Are there any notable examples of movies you used to enjoy, ironically, that you now appreciate in a more serious way? <laughs> <laughs> the dangers of enjoying uh, pure irony, I guess. Jean Dielman. Maybe you'll just... <laughs> there we go, done. <laughs> really, did you, would you, consider, you considered it full irony when Not you first full watching irony. it? I mean, like, yeah, they, it, I considered it to be kind of a meme. I was like, there's a movie where a woman cleans her house for three and a half hours. Yeah, yeah. And then I had a much better mm -hmm. appreciation for it on the second watch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 For its actual meaning, yeah. Man, it's the only things I watch ironically are like real, like real trash. Like, yeah, like I, I'm falling into that like just Phantom Menace like camp now. Like I'm just fully in. Like you I'm, like I'm it so now? brainwashed. <laughs> I, d I wouldn't say like it, but if the question is saying I appreciate it in a more serious way, I find it endlessly interesting <laughs> to hear oh, people talk about it, but. Otherwise, it's over. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's just done. It's, it's fucking done. You're done. <laughs> okay. I guess. Yeah, I guess that's it. And then go done. Hmm. I guess we're done. I Fuck. guess. I'm <laughs> still trying to decide what movie I want to recommend. We had a long episode last time. Whatever. Yeah, it's your turn, right? I know. I'm yeah. having a time here. Go ahead. There's a few. I want to try something I haven't seen before. Um, I'm trying to think what what we're going into the festive season. Something that's going to really remind us of Santa and all the really though. <laughs> the, the I don't know. If I do that. <laughs> you can do it. I think whoever Ralph, you're after me. You no, do please don't. Actually, I don't. Yeah, I, I can do don't that. really want Christmas <laughs> yeah. movie marathon. You don't want to do that. <laughs> you, want, you want to recommend something like depressing? <laughs> I well, yeah. I just want to recommend Go something I haven't seen before. There's some directors that we haven't talked about on the podcast, and especially after our. You know, episode 100 poll, we've seen, you know, a lengthy list of things that people would like us to talk about. We've got a bit of extra time because we're recording this one True. early. True. So I should I I'm trying so hard here. OK, we're just going to fucking do it. I've never seen this movie. It's um, directed by Bella Tarr. It's seven hours and 19 minutes long, and it's called <laughs> uh, Satan Tango. <laughs> that's not how you pronounce it, but that's how I pronounce it. Satatango. Satan Tango. Is it good? That's what people say. Okay, but, Satan Tango. can hold my attention for that long. Yeah. 
Are you allowed to watch it in multiple chunks? Oh, or is I don't this, know. Uh, you have. To... Oh, it's on my watch list already. Okay, cool. Yeah, okay, if you if cool. you want to, you I'm not going to stop you or anything. I'm probably going to pee right. at some point in eight hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'll need to watch it at least a couple <laughs> chunks. Yeah. So is this so easy to find as well? I don't know. Do we know? <laughs> okay. I didn't look that up. I was just like, I don't know. This is on my watch list. When the fuck am I going to watch it if not? Yeah, a, yeah. When you have a podcast <laughs> I'm just thinking that live stream we did last time. You that whole live stream, this movie would still be on. Yeah, it'd yeah. still be going. <laughs> still, still be, be going. going. <laughs> True. Bellatar. Okay, this is interesting then. 1994. If you don't want to be spoiled for Satan Tango. <laughs> uh, <laughs> watch it before the next episode. These episodes come out every two weeks. You can hear them early. Going to patreon.com slash sardonicast or sardonicast.com and sign up for premium. Only $2 a month. You get them as they're edited. Uh, we got merch also. It's Christmas time. Go get some merch, why don't you? Think of the children. All right, happy Shrek. And, um... <laughs> okay. Yeah, there we go. We did it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs> 101. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone.